really excited to be here with you guys today. We're going to be talking further into Corinthians. And I really want to talk to you guys today about developing a spiritual filter. Up until now, Paul has been pinpointing specific sins in the Corinthian church. There's been divisions, there's been gossip, there's been fights that have gotten so out of control, believers are taking each other to court in this public spectacle just for the entertainment of others, hoping to shame and humiliate the other person publicly. We've seen some pretty incredible sins that we can sit back and say, wow, that is them and that is absolutely nuts. But we've also seen some sins that have hit very close to home. We've also seen some things that have really convicted us. It's been like, wow, holy smokes, like, that is true. Like, that should not be in the church. That should not be part of my life, right? Uh, Last week, we talked about what it looks like to lay down our rights for the sake of another person. Paul goes as far as to say, why not just be wronged by somebody? Why start divisions? Why start a fight? Why start an argument that's just going to keep going and going? Why go behind someone's back and just gossip about how, how much they wronged you? Why not just rather be wronged, forgive, and move on for the sake of unity? And today, we're, we're going to talk about what it looks like to develop a spiritual filter, how to live life discerning what is going to bring you more and more into the destiny that God has called you into, and what is going to hinder that, what is going to delay that, or what is even going to take you further and further down a path that is not that. Now, filters are really interesting things when you think about them. They block out, whoever the designer was, determine what is harmful, what is toxic, and built a filter to block that out, but he also determines what is beneficial, what is life-giving, and what you actually want to come in and actually to draw in even more at the same time. And I'm sure if we all just took, you know, a written test on what type of spiritual filter we should have, we'd all ace that test, right? Jesus should be the designer of that spiritual filter. We should let in A, B, and C and not let in A, B, and C. We should block these things out. I'm sure we would all pass that no problem. But I want you to go ahead and take a minute and really think about the current filter that you are living with, what you are allowing in, and what you are blocking out. A big thing we're going to talk about is just simply our time, what we spend our time doing, our time during the day, our time during the week. Where is our biggest chunk of time spent, the most energy, the most effort? What is it spent for? You see, the good news is we all know how to have a filter and have it on all day, because we all do. We all have a filter, and we carry it all day. We all block out what we don't want, and we all let in what we do want. We don't need to learn how to do that. We've been doing it our whole lives. What Paul does is he tells us how to build a godly filter, how to build one that is going to allow us to walk in our destiny of becoming more and more like Jesus and experiencing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit more and more and more. And I'm just super excited for it. Uh, But yeah, we all walk and have a filter all day. So is is anybody here gluten-free? Right, anybody? Okay, you you walk with a food filter, right? You learned there's no way I can let a bit of gluten pass through this filter or I'm going to pay a heavy, heavy price, right? We, We know how to have these filters, But the question is, do we currently have the right one? Do we currently have the one that the Lord wishes for us? 
or do we have we developed a different one? Have we let the world shape one? So what I really want out of today is just a question, the filter that we have, the one that we have been living with. The message of today is to question that filter with a question, am I growing more like Jesus? Am I experiencing more and more of the Holy Spirit and the fruit he produces in my life because of what I choose to block out and what I choose to let in? Where I choose to spend my time, where I choose what I choose to embrace, what I choose not to embrace. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to go ahead and read it for us. Uh, starting in verse 22. Paul says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Now they're taking something that Paul has taught them, that they are freed from the law. Another version says all things are permissible. They are not living under the condemnation of the law. They are not living under guilt. But they, had let, they have let the world shape what that means for them instead of the Holy Spirit. Paul has already told them what this means for them. But he has to help them build a filter now for how to live life in freedom, how to live life freed from the law. And the first question is, is it beneficial? Is it beneficial? And this, this does not just mean for you, but does it, is it beneficial for the church? What you choose to let shape you, where you spend your time, how things mold you. How many know that our brains are being rewired every day? Every day, what, what we dwell on, what we meditate on, our brains are being rewired with grooves that make it easier and easier to go back to thinking and behaving that way. And where we choose to spend our time and what we choose to meditate on is what shapes that rewiring. It's what digs those grooves in. And the first bit of our filter is, is this a wiring and a groove that is beneficial to my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I becoming somebody that when I'm around them, it's better? Instead of when I'm around them, it's worse. Right? There's no neutral zone. We all affect each other. We all have influence on each other. People are going to walk away more joyful or not. Right? How many have experienced walking away very joyful that you encounter somebody? And how many have experienced the exact opposite because you encounter somebody? Somebody just dumped their terrible day on you. Right? It's almost like a chain effect. They probably got a bad attitude from someone else. They got it from someone else. They just went ahead and transplanted that attitude in you. And before you knew it, you're doing it to somebody else, <laughs> right? We all affect each other. And the word beneficial here, it absolutely applies to is it benefiting your walk with God? Absolutely. Is it benefiting you experiencing the indwelling of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis? Absolutely. Paul's aim, though, is even bigger than that. Is it benefiting you in a way to where you are part of the body and benefiting the body? It's not a bad thing to strive that people's lives are better because you're around them. It's actually what we're called to. How many would say people's lives are better because Jesus was around them? Right? And we're called to be like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's whole job is shaping us more and more and more into Jesus. It's what he is calling us 
to strive for? Is this beneficial? Some, some things are gray areas. Some things are not explicitly forbidden in the Bible. Sitting down and watching TV 20, 30, 40, 40 hours a week, you won't find thou shalt not do that in Scripture. But the question is, is that beneficial? Is that something that's shaping me into a person that benefits those around me? In a way, a very specific way that brings Jesus to these people, that brings the fruit of the Spirit to these people, that brings love and joy to these people. There was a really, really interesting study on one of my favorite shows, Seinfeld. I still think it is the absolute funniest show out there. Um, but these psychologists, right around the early 90s is when Seinfeld first came out on TV. And this group of psychologists were just talking, just like, you know, there's been a really interesting shift in the patients and their problems that we are seeing. You know, we used to see these very deep problems that absolutely people needed help for. And they still had those patients, but they were getting a new crop of patients. And as they were talking, they were just realizing they're all experiencing the same phenomenon where they're listening to these patients like, that's a really shallow problem. <laughs> that's a really, really simple, like, you shouldn't be dwelling on that that much. That's not a problem. That's not why you come see a psychologist. And what they found, so if, if, let me back up. If you guys have never seen Seinfeld, or even if you have, it's literally a show about nothing. And that's what makes it so, so funny. So the main character, Seinfeld, just to give you an example, in one, one episode, he's dating this perfect girl. He's head over heels for her. She's perfect in absolutely every way. And he sits down to have dinner for, with her, and you know, she orders like chicken, potatoes, and peas and something. And he's just having this time of his life with her. And then he notices she's like eating her peas one at a time. Right? She takes a fork, she just does one, and do, just does another one, and does it. And like everything just stops for him. He can't get over that fact. He can't get past that fact. It's like all-consuming, just wrecking everything about her. He sees her now in a totally different way. He can't stand her. He's trying to figure, spends half the episode trying to figure out how to break up with her, and the other half just complaining on how crazy this is. Like, he's literally thinking she must be a crazy person, like she's going to do something crazy to me. Like, that's what he's thinking. That's how shallow, like, this show is. And, and when they're interviewed on, on, the, on how they wrote these episodes, he would think, like, we just, we just thought of the most shallow people we could, and we wrote according to that. Basically, a satire, don't be these people. Like, make fun of them, mock them, don't be these people. But the opposite happened. Culture started shifting to where our conversations started becoming more and more and more shallow. And the, what we used to think were not problems at all, like eating peas one at a time, started becoming really big deals. And there's actually a whole study that pinpoints the influence and popularity of Seinfeld and the shift in this culture. It's absolutely hilarious. But all that to say is what we spend our time on and allow in and meditate and soak in will start to rewire our brains. It will start to dig these grooves in. And before we know it, unquestioned, we have a new filter in which we're living life through. We always need to stop. Is it beneficial? Is it making me into a person that is more like Jesus? Is it allowing me to press more and more into the experience of living as a temple of the Holy Spirit? Which means the Holy Spirit is always in me. He's per always producing fruit. He is always in me. I can experience him. I can be led by him. I can hear him. I can feel him. He is in me. 
Now, it's not to say we know we never watch TV. Well, we need to ask the question, how much is just relaxation, and then when does it cross that point where, man, I should probably be doing something else? This is no longer beneficial. I experienced that point when Anna was pregnant with Evie. Um, there was a time where she was probably going to bed right around 6, 6.30 p.m., and I was really left with nothing to do. I couldn't just abandon my pregnant wife and go out and do something. I couldn't watch TV. It would wake her up. And I was just like, okay. <laughs> it's like 6 p.m. She's asleep. I have nothing to do. Like, I got to figure something out here. I'm going to go crazy. And I was looking on YouTube. I was trying to check out something, to find something that was entertaining. And then I remember there's like games on an iPad. I'm like, man, I haven't played a video game in like 10, 15 years. Like, I wonder if there's any fun ones out there. And I found a couple of those fun for like an hour and night. I'm like, ah, nothing's really, really doing it. And I'm definitely not the biggest Star Wars guy at all. Like, I'll see a movie eventually. But I found this really amazing Star Wars game. That's, it was more like chess, but you could like change the pieces, if that makes sense. Like, what does this person do? What does this person do? And then you go and figure out how your opponent, it, whatever it was. It, it really like, like stimulated my mind. Like, okay, this is awesome. I can develop strategy here. I can sit down. I can plot it out. I can do research. Like, get super absorbed into it, right? And so probably spent a little more time than I should uh, on this game. But while she was, I literally had nothing to do. I was like, I need something to fill my time. But I quickly learned that a new mother with a screaming baby is not the time to check out and go back to my routine of playing this game <laughs> when she's alone in the room with Evie just <laughs> screaming her head off. <laughs> like, at that point, it was not beneficial, right? It's questionable if it ever was beneficial if you talk to her. But at that point, it definitely was not beneficial. The season has changed, Right? And it definitely quickly was not a gray area anymore, but very, very obvious that, okay, this needs to change. <laughs> this really, really needs to change. So there are seasons where some things we can let in our lives and some things we don't. The Lord will let us know. A spouse will let you know. A good friend will let you know. But there's also some times where we just know, okay, this has just crossed the line. This has crossed the line. This is no long, this is never was, and this is not a beneficial habit. This is not shaping me into the person that I should be. This is not shaping me more and more like Christ. This is not drawing me closer and closer to the spirit that indwells me. It is not beneficial. And then he goes on, and they're using the same argument again. All things are lawful for me. And he replies, but I would not be dominated by anything. And again, he's giving them the second layer of their filter. Is this something that dominates us? Is there, or the NASB uses the phrase masters us, which I think is a more helpful phrase. Is it mastering us? Does it have us as its slave? Can we stop anytime we want? Do we truly have control over this, or does this have control over us? And using wisdom and discernment, we can start with knowing what things tend to lead to mastering us. Right? So wine, very enjoyable if you have some good wine. But we all know that too much will start mastering us. 
too much will start controlling us. We're not the exception, right? It's the physical body. It will become addicted. It will need more and more and more. And so very wisely, we moderate that. But there's other things in life that might not be as obvious. It might be a TV show that's very sexually explicit that we just feel like, hey, I can handle this, or I'm watching this with my spouse, so that makes it okay, we can handle it, we're adults, it's rated MA, I'm older than 18, so the TV says I can handle it, so yeah, we're good. But what is it really doing internally? What grooves is it really making in your mind? Do those images really stay with you? Do they pop up when you don't want them to? Could you really walk away at a moment's notice and feel perfectly fine? Even with a new season just coming up that's being promoted like crazy. Does it have mastery over you? The good news is the Spirit gives us the power to free, to be free from anything. It does not have to have mastery over you. The Spirit gives us power to be freed from anything. And this is a very, very... I guess the word is interesting problem because he's speaking to Christians, which means these people are freed from everything. Amen? Christ frees us. Whoever the Son sets free is free indeed. Any chains of sin, any chains of, chains of guilt, of anxiety, of depression, Christ himself reached with his hands and broke these chains off of us. Every Christian is completely free. And yet he's saying you use your freedom to walk back to those very chains that Christ broke. Pick them up and wrap them around you and enslave yourself to that master again. How many of us have experienced actually doing that? (laughs) Right? It doesn't make any sense at all, but we're prone to do that. The good news is the Holy Spirit is always there to free us. To call upon him, repent, and the very hands that broke those chains before break them off again. We never have to be mastered or dominated by anything. We are completely, completely free. But we can use that freedom to then be re-enslaved, and it's a weird thing that we do as humans, but we do it. But Paul is saying that we can develop a filter to keep us from that habit. We can develop a filter that blocks out the things that would master us. Or that we would let master us, if that makes sense. You can always, always be freed. If you find yourself in that spot today, pray, repent, and you will be freed. He goes on with another just slogan that they use to excuse sin. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. Paul replies, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And just for the parents out there, we're going to get into some very adult themes in about two minutes. Uh, but So they're using this slogan to excuse gluttony, plain and simple. They're using this slogan just to indulge appetites, to just gorge and gorge themselves on food. And, again, use their freedom to fall into sin. Right? I, I heard um, a comedian talk about it doesn't make sense that there's obesity and starvation in the same place. 
yet they're using that freedom to create that situation, <laughs> to be the ones that are just gluttony and gluttonous and gluttonous and ignore those that actually need what they're just consuming, what they're just gorging on, to physically, literally just ignore them and use their freedom that all things are lawful. I'm guiltless. I'm fine. I'm doing whatever I want. Now, that phrase also they would use to excuse sexual appetite, to be gluttonous and gorge on a sexual appetite. And that's what Paul really, really hits on. And he breaks off this thinking. See, their, their philosophy is the body's made for sex. And so that leads into any excuse for indulging in that. In fact, today we have these arguments. It's, it's an argument now that it's, uh, what's the word? It's culturally oppressive to tell somebody that they should only have sex with their spouse. And the argument, it's, uh, the argument is it's obvious that the body is meant for multiple sexual partners. And that it's immoral and culturally oppressive to impose this ideal on people. Paul completely destroys that. He says, yeah, if, if the body was meant for sex, that might make sense. But that's not why your body was created. Your body is created for God. When God envisioned the human body and what it's meant for, its purpose is to house his Holy Spirit. And with that argument, it's like it makes no sense that we would try to come up with something to excuse sexual immorality. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not, do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For, as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. When he uses that phrase, or do you not know, it's almost a sarcastic phrase because he knows he's taught them this before. And he knows they pride themselves on intellectualism and they should know this. And so it's kind of a slight, sarcastic phrase to get their attention and kind of shock them. Like, you should know this. This should be obvious. Your body was created to house the Holy Spirit. God has put the Holy Spirit inside of you. It's what you were created for, to experience the Holy Spirit. Sexual immorality hinders that. He talks about every other sin is outside the body. But sexual immorality sins against your own body. And what's interesting is, we're not told this, but it's very accessible. Every research paper that, has, that researches anxiety, depression, and fear combined with sexuality, you see a direct link with the more a person dives into sexual morality, the higher their depression, anxiety, and fear is. The more sexual partners a person has, the more a person gives into pornography, the more any sexual experience you can think of today outside of the bonds of marriage increases anxiety, depression, and fear in a person. And it not only increases it, but it increases how hard it is to overcome those things. 
is very, very just in your face like this is obvious that this happens. Absolutely obvious, but it's never talked about. Right? It's not the agenda of the wisdom of the world. That's a start of sinning against your own body, right? If I sin against somebody, if I steal from George, I would experience some guilt, some shame, have to repent, have to pay it back. But the, the effects of that, I wouldn't experience, right? If you're robbed, you're going to start living in some more fear. You're going to start having some more anxiety in your life. I would not experience that. I'd experience guilt for creating it, but I wouldn't experience it. And Paul here says when it comes to sexual immorality, you're going to experience it. You're going to experience the effects of those. The book of Proverbs spends the first 10 chapters promising that we are going to experience a terrible life if we are sexually immoral. For the sake of time, I'll sum it up. It talks about sexually transmitted diseases will riddle our bodies. We won't escape them. That our wisdom will be so confounded we will think the path of life is really really is a path of death, but we'll think it's the path of life. And we'll walk down it more and more and more. Our name and our family, because of our sins, will be dragged through the mud. All that we have achieved will be robbed and given to somebody else. We sin against ourselves. We sin against our own bodies. When we give in to sexual immorality. And Paul here is saying, Again, we do not have to be dominated by anything. Any appetite we have in our body is a lie that tells us our body was meant for anything but to indwell the Holy Spirit. Right? These appetites we have, they almost come with like a story. Right? Does that make sense? When we just hunger for something, it almost comes with like this, this, this voice, this narration of we know exactly what that something is. We know exactly how to get it. And we know exactly how satisfying, it's a lie, but it would tell us how satisfying that something will be. If that's anything other than indwelling the Holy Spirit, that, that story, that tape is a lie. And it is just getting us to enslave ourselves more and more and more. Like we talked about, the good news is the Holy Spirit does free us. The same hands of Christ that broke our chains once will break them again, if we, even if we are the ones that wrap them back around. He will free us. Again, this is a third layer of the filter that we developed, a spiritual filter to walk through life with, to know how do we experience being a temple of the Holy Spirit? How do we experience Jesus in our lives on a daily basis? Right When our kids are screaming, <laughs> when we're having a terrible day at work, when there's so much traffic, we have no idea what time we're going to come home. How do we experience Jesus on this daily, daily basis? We have this filter that blocks out the things that are toxic, but draws in the things that are godly. Let's continue. <coughs> but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Price. So glorify God in your body. I just love that ending, and that's, that, that, that's the message of the day. That's the takeaway and the big idea of today. It's to glorify God in our body. 
And broken down, what that means is show the world what God is like. We glorify God by showing the world what God is like. Glorify God in your body. We develop a filter to walk in our destiny, to walk in a path that is growing us more and more into Jesus, who Jesus is. We develop a filter so we are communing with the Holy Spirit more and more and allowing this fruit to be produced in us and to be produced out of us, to benefit those around us, to give it out freely to those around us. That is how we glorify God in our bodies. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It is a promise. It's not something we have to beg God for. It is a promise. It is a free gift of the Lord. He has put his spirit in you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. He is constantly talking to us. He is constantly desiring us to walk more and more in freedom. Glorify God in our bodies. Develop a filter to know what is beneficial, to what is enslaving us, or what will in the future enslave us. To know what is the worldly wisdom that goes directly against Scripture. But to welcome in what is godly. What is shaping us, what is molding us, what is rewiring our brains to be more and more like Jesus. As, as a new parent, I was very pleased but shocked how quickly my filter changed. <laughs> right? How quickly my filter changed. What I now will not allow on TV. What I now will not allow in my house or even around my child. We just went to the zoo uh, yesterday for the first time and it was the funnest experience I've ever had at the zoo. It was Evie's first time, and we already knew that she just loves animals. She points at birds and laughs. She sees this neighborhood cat, and she just freaks out. Uh, it is just the coolest thing, so we just knew she was going to have a great time. And the whole time, there's like this mixture of this puzzling look on her face, but also this super excitement where she flaps her arms and kind of screams. And you could tell she was kind of like holding this in for the whole day, and the, um, the last thing we saw was a leopard. And like I said, she loves this neighborhood cat. So we're just like, oh, she would just think it's like a big cat. And this thing's acting like a cat. It's rolling around. It's licking its paws. It's cleaning itself. And she's just like stone-faced staring at it. So we're like, I don't know if this thing is freaking her out. Does she like it? Like, what's going on? <laughs> but we just waited a little bit, and she didn't seem scared. So we just let her look at it and watch it. And we're like, okay, I guess she just is, that's doing nothing for her. So we walk away, and about a minute later, this scream just lets out. And we look at her, and she is just laughing her head off, like flapping her hands, clapping, just, just pure joy, absolutely pure joy. Like she couldn't hold it in anymore. Like we, we thought she was going to pop. It was so, so cute and so funny. But with that, just drew everyone's attention. Everyone stopped and looked. And um, this one guy came up. He was just laughing. He couldn't believe how much fun she was having. And it was a great moment. He turned out to be a really cool guy. He talked with her. She liked it and everything. 
But the second I even saw this guy approaching, like this new parent-dad filter just came up. Like, yeah, I'll laugh a little bit. You can enjoy, you can laugh and all that stuff. But there's some things where the situation is going to change very, very quickly if I see them, if I feel them, if you, if you try to cross this filter, right? The situation is going to take a drastic, drastic turn. And it, it's natural. Like, you don't think about this. You just feel it as a parent. We need to develop that type of filter for our lives. We need to develop that type of filter where, yeah, we can enjoy things absolutely, but there's a line. There's things that, that shoot up on our radar where it is just no. No. This is not allowed. I'm not intaking this and allowing it to rewire my brain to create some grooves to influence me, to mold me or shape me in any way other than being like Jesus. And like I said, the good news is we all know how to walk with a filter all day. We do it. We all know how to. We don't learn, need to learn how to do this. We just need to learn what type of filter to have. So the worship team is going to come up, and we're just going to worship God for freeing us, for giving us the ability to have this filter, for telling us what type of filter to have, and what is it like to truly just enjoy him to truly enjoy him, to live life. It doesn't mean we have to go into a monastery, but to live life here, benefiting each other, becoming more like Jesus, experiencing the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us.